This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back to the Paddling Fin Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Yak Gadget. For all your fine kayak fishing accessories, go to yakgadget.com. Pelican cases, coolers, and lighting. Go to pelican.com. And the 153 Bait Company. For all your hard and soft bait needs, go to the 153anglers.com. Now let's get this show started. What's up, guys? This is the final cast. I'm Brad. Hi, Brad. Hey, Hi. Brad. <laughs> What's up, guys? <laughs> I'm Josh. <laughs> Hey Josh, <laughs> dude, I I am digging that intro. It's short yeah. and sweet, man. I like it. Yeah, I like um, it. it. Do you think that the paddle and fin logo at the beginning is blurry? Notice mm, it's just me. It, I know I didn't notice. Okay. I didn't notice. <laughs> it looks like it's blurry. Like maybe like when it was when he was building it, like he used a small logo. You know what I mean? And with yeah. it being stretched out, like it's. It's losing its resolution. I don't know. I, I don't know. It could be my eyes. I fell asleep for a while early when I got home from work. So, yeah, huh. well, I did not you, have that luxury. <laughs> You've been a busy man. I, uh, I wish I didn't. I hate doing that because then now when I get done with the pod, I'll probably be up for like three hours. So, yeah. I hate no, that. I'm definitely going to bed. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, well, I, I got two little ones and they, they're six and four. And this morning I told them to get them donuts. So anytime I tell them I get them donuts, they get up and get ready right away. And we got up at like 5.30 this morning. We were out the door, got to the donut place, and there was only two people working at the world's busiest donut shop. <laughs> Bill's? So, yeah, dude, it was insane. I'm like, there's <laughs> usually 20 people here. Why is there only two? Yeah. And we stood in line with only two people in front of us, and we were there for like 20 minutes. I was like, I got to go. You know, or I'm gonna be late for work. So, yeah, that sucks. I've been yeah. in there when it's super busy. I mean, it's it was crazy. not a big deal. It's not like I need donuts in my gut, but 
the sad <laughs> face my four-year-old gave me. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Like, him and Bill's Donuts are, like, best buds, man. Like, <laughs> I better buy it. stock now. Yeah. 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 Well, guys, we got a cool episode tonight. Uh, we got Alex Peter, Peters on. Uh, he runs the Facebook group uh, River Fishing uh, Smallmouth in Ohio, right? Yes. Yes. And he runs his own lure company, Adeline Lures. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. Heck yeah. Uh, I First time I saw your stuff, uh, it was, I don't know, two, three years ago, uh, I saw you in the Kaiser group and you were posting some lures and stuff. I'm like, man, this guy does a good job. I'm, so long story short, we are getting you on the show to talk about it and talk a little bit about that river group. Yeah. That's like, uh, that's one of my favorite lakes to fish. It's, uh, it's not an, exactly an easy lake to fish. And, but, uh, if you can find a good color scheme or some natural colors for that lake, it, you can do really well on it. I mean, they got some big bass in there. They've got some amazing hybrids in there. Yeah. My, my personal best largemouth came out of Kaiser. Yeah. And that, but that was like seven years ago, something like that. So it's been but a while. Your personal best came out of Kaiser. Yeah, believe Still? it or not. Yeah, twenty-one inch largemouth. Mm. Yeah, okay. I've never seen one that big since. <laughs> but I, I'm not a big largemouth fisherman. I'm more of a smallmouth yeah. fisherman. So I usually just go up there for the hybrids. Right. Yeah. That that's something. Like if I go to Kaiser, that's going to be something more I try to focus on too. But I, I'm not a big largemouth guy either. I like the smallmouth, but uh, let's start off with like an in- introduction, man. Uh, let everybody know who you are, uh, what you do, how long you've been fishing for. All right. Well, my name's Alex Peters. Um, I started uh, fishing river smallmouth in Ohio in 2016. I also started a company called Outline Lures in 2016. Um, I started the group page uh, because I've joined, I don't know, a handful of different uh, group pages on fishing. And, you know, I mean, a lot of them are good. I think some of them get bombarded with advertisements or join me or garage sales. And I just kind of wanted to get away from that and kind of show fishermen that you can have a big group setting with, you know, knowledge and good people to, you know, point you in the right direction and so that's kind of where i've taken the page i've probably got what what uh almost seven thousand people in it now Mm -hmm. so and then the the lure business uh it's pretty much just word by mouth um i do uh have tiktok and instagram and kind of show off there a little bit but most of it's just word by mouth you know uh some of the fishermen pick them up here and there and they run the lures and they seem to like them, and they keep coming back. Heck yeah! Like I said, I some of your paint jobs were unique. I I saw them for the first time a while ago, and I'm like, that looks really cool. I like that. Yeah, I've designed some lures for people. Uh, uh, there's a guy out of Middletown. He wanted a Pacific design for like a a red color. Kind of told me what he sort of wanted. As long as I'm not mimicking any lures, I try not to. Uh, you know, copying a lure exactly. I'll try to 
put my twist on it some way or some form. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but you won a couple of tournaments with it and that worked. And then, uh, let's see, I've sold them as far as Texas, all the way down in Georgia, up in Michigan. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize you were shipping them all out that way. That's crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's cool. So is business, uh, like steady? Uh, it goes up and down. I mean, just like fishing does. Uh, mm-hmm. last year I didn't do so well. I don't know if it, I would have thought differently with the pandemic, everybody trying to be an outdoorsman. Now, all of a sudden, everybody seems to be buying a lot of kayaks and stuff. So that's never even been on a kayak. So, yeah. which is good. But, um, no, I just did. I don't know if people were just tightening up on their money or, you know, maybe they just were buying out of big box stores. I don't know either way. But this year, towards the tail end, uh, I started picking up again. So that's good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who knows? I mean, with the way every, you know, like might just be the fact that you had like a small business, you, you know, you have a small business with it and then you're trying to compete with places like, you know, Bass Pro and all that places that were getting sold out of everything. And I think what it is, is that you, you're going to cater more to an angler that's established, you know, guys that have been fishing for a while and they're looking for something particular. They're looking for performance. They're looking for custom and last year was more about people aren't you know they're not familiar with it they're they're new to the sport you know like i mean i went to oh what was it um cabela's yeah i went to Mm -hmm. cabela's one day and i go in there and i'm trying to pick up a a reel for mike grimsley brad Mm -hmm. (laughs) he had uh Law, he either dropped it or broke his presidential reel. You know, he just had a little, um, or flu, yeah, Fluger presidential. I want to say he had just that's all it was. It wasn't one of the special, nice, super nice ones, and they had none, and they didn't hardly have anything. And they had one, and it was the uh, display model, and they wanted full price, and it was like the upgraded one. You know mm-hmm. that they have they have a couple versions of it yeah and um uh, i was like hey dude they i called him up i'm like they have this one uh do you want it and he's like uh i don't know if i necessarily want the display one because you know i'm the same way yeah. if i have the option i'll just get the one that's not been everybody's picked up or whatever right. i'm like well dude you ain't got much to pick from unless you want one of the you know stratic ci4s or <laughs> like you know like or the bottom of the barrel. But, um, so I was going to, he was like, nah, don't worry about it then. Well, I was going to try to buy it for him because I was like, well, it's a display. Maybe I can get it as a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, they wouldn't cut me a price deal on it at all for really a demo one. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not at all, dude. Not in a big I got, store. They were I got like, a- no, uh, no, we got to sell it full price. I'm like, dude, it's the last one you have. And it's, the display model like i was like the but you know i was like everybody and their brother have been picking this up i'd be surprised if this thing doesn't break in the first year i have it you know yeah. or been dropped by kids exactly yeah. i mean everybody picks that thing up they drop it right back down in those tubes and 
Mm-hmm. Everybody sits there and opens a bale and then turns the handle <laughs> and shuts it, you know, like, yeah. But it, I, it's weird you said that though, because I, I bought a reel last year and they gave me 25% off because it was a full huh. model. Shut up, Brad. I, <laughs> it was an SLX. Shut up, Brad. <laughs> Get a crap I, all over my parade over here. Well, it, yeah, you, I went, mean, you went to Cabela's though. That was the problem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree though. But sometimes when people see the, sometimes the prices on custom lures, I don't think they realize the, the detail and the depth. That sometimes oh, yeah. goes into it. I also behind me, you can kind of see the box behind me is a uh, is a UV box. So, mm-hmm. which is all done by lights. That's how I cure my baits. That okay. alone is probably the biggest step that takes it to a a professional level with a a clear coat and a pretty hard coat. I mean, there's a few different ways that you can do it. You can use a uh, two-part epoxy, which works fine. And mm-hmm. you can use KBS diamond, which is they kind of dip it in and and let it dry. But there's a lot of waste. And they, as soon as the air hits it, it just starts drying instantly. So as soon as you open the jar, you're, you know, you've got air coming in. This is uh, done by a Lumalite. And there's, the only thing I got to worry about is keeping the light out. Because as soon as the light hits it, then it starts curing. Huh. That's interesting. But it's definitely not a cheap way to go. I mean, it right. is very expensive to build this box. So. so so that's something you had to build yourself. Yes, I built it myself. Yeah. Okay. It's got it all angled. I've got four different bulbs in there. I've got fans that filter through and push the air to try to keep the box um at a certain temperature so you know you're not melting the plastics inside Mm -hmm. i've never heard of that process i mean we've never had like a a custom lure maker to this extent on the podcast Hmm. so like the lights what 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 exactly does that light do well it's kind of like a well, best way to describe it is, you know, if you, you know, if you've got wives or girlfriends or anything like that, you know how they go and get their nails done, mm-hmm. and they, I'm, you know, they put their nails under these little lights or lamps or whatever, and that gives it that really hard finish. But it's the same process, except for I'm doing it in a much bigger scale with much bigger lights. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm using a different spectrum than what they are so a lot of these people use light these lights to uh cure different uh woods to make them older so that's kind of where the process started and then lure makers found that they could use the alumalite resin and it would cure over top of the lures and give them a really really hard clear coat over top of it right yeah, we, we had the, this conversation over the phone, what, like a month and a half ago, something yeah. like that? Yeah. I, I was like, man, he's speaking above my head. I feel like an idiot. <laughs> no, no. But no, it, I mean, it makes sense now. It, it, it It's definitely a process because when I first started, I would, uh, I would use a two-part epoxy. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the problem with two-part epoxies is, is sometimes you get air bubbles and you don't realize that you have them in there. And then you know, once you go and feel over top of the lure or you mm. kind of look at it real close and you may have missed on a brush stroke or you see a brush stroke on the lure. And 
Well, I mean, that lure's done. I mean, unless you have a sandblasting box to break down the epoxy, which I do have. So, because there's guys that will say, hey, I can't buy this, let's say, KVD or Rapella. You know, they just don't make them anymore. They don't sell them in the stores or they just discontinued that brand, but they still have them in their box. Um, like Brian Conley, some of you guys might know him. Uh, he had a lure that he brought to me and I completely restored it, broke it down with a blasting box and then repainted it and put it in the box and add it to him the next day. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Very cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to share these pictures here real quick. Uh, sure. Because y- you talked about going into these uh, baits with detail. I don't, I don't think people realize how much detail you go into them with. But uh, check these out. I, I, I'm always a sucker for stuff like this. Brad, are you artistic at all? I'm not. We were talking about that before the podcast. I'm not artistic. I'm not artistic at all. But I can, I can appreciate. Cool patterns like that. Probably that's what I'm saying. You can't draw. (laughs) That that bottom one's got a lot of crawl colors. The smallmouth just tear that thing up. It's got to be my best lure. I don't. I've caught so many smallmouth off that thing. Uh, The middle one's more of kind of a snake kind of uh, profile. Did we lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. It just it just cut out for a second. Oh. Uh, snake snake profile in the middle. Yeah, kind of. You know, I mean, that, that's kind of what I was going for. The greens and the little bit of yellows in them. I got gotcha. you. Is what what hooks are you using on those? Um, I put on a Mustad uh, red color hook. Yeah, is there some, is there a reason why you throw the red on there? No, no. Okay. Other than what fish, some, a lot of the fishermen like it. Um, I. To me, it doesn't matter what what color hook is on it. I yeah. think when you move a crankbait, you're getting a reaction more than you are on some of the actual sight of a, of a bait. Right. It just depends, I guess, on the time of year. I mean, if you're slow rolling it off the bottom, you know, you know, they may see it a little bit easier. I think sometimes they're just kind of seeing the color, a flash of the color. But as far as a hook, I mean, some guys don't even want hooks on them. I just mail them without the hooks. They want to put their own on. I gotcha. Yeah. That's a, that's a good option too. Uh, I know. Yeah. Some guys, they, uh, they'll, they'll get these crankbaits made cause they're like sponsored with a certain hook company and they'll use those hooks. Yeah. No, that's not me. I just, what I throw on, it's a good hook. It's not horrible. It's about a medium priced hook. It's not into your, you know, real high-end hooks, but it's not, uh, you know, a, a garbage hook that you would buy out of a box store. Yeah, I uh, must add, I, I like their hooks. Yeah, so I, I do no, too. No issues with those at all. Uh, this crankbait right here, I think this is one of the first ones I've ever seen you you post. I was like, man, that looks good. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good crankbait. It's got a lot of good colors in it. 
It's got the greens, the yellows, the reds. Mm-hmm. So it's got a I, nice little flash when it rolls. I so I'm I'm always curious. Uh, talk about the process of uh, like creating this certain pattern. How do you go about it? What's first? Um. So I buy all the blanks. It, I start off with an actual complete blank lure, and then it's just kind of wherever. I just try to focus on what works in a river or in a lake in Ohio. Um, now I fished other places, Tennessee, Michigan, you know, Indiana, Brookville, things to that nature. And I just try to see what's natural in the general area. But I mean, you know, certain fish, they do like certain colors, you know, I mean, fish Mm -hmm. do like red and yellows. So, and green, I think is a predominant color that they see better than a lot of colors, believe it or not. So they just seem to eat green a lot more than a lot of colors. So I do use those a lot. But um, that process is just uh, uh, I'll I'll make sure that it's clean with an alcohol, and then I'll come over top of it with a white base coat. Um, I think that one might have a black base coat on it because I think it's got black lines to it, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So it'll have a black base coat and then I'll wrap it with a mesh or uh, which will give it that swirl pattern and then you put colors over top of it and take the mesh off and you'll leave the little black marks and the rest of the colors will be on top. Are are you airbrushing all those? I airbrush it all, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I had a quick question when we were talking about the UV light and painting. Yeah. Uh, Is the that UV light work for all different types of paint and epoxies, or is this, are you using something specific tailored to be use the UV light as a hardener? I'm just using it as a hardener, but I got to be careful on certain colors because we all know UV will uh, eventually break down pigments of colors. So I, sometimes I try to, steer away from some of the fluorescence now because they you know the uv light will break them down it just sometimes you just want to throw maybe a quick transparent color over top of it to kind of uh give it that little added touch and then you know you don't lose it when it when it goes into the uv box but you do run that risk and if you do then that lures you know you start over try again yeah you can use there's no there's nothing special about the paint any of the paints that you use for using the uv light it's just the same kind of paints that somebody else would use it's just like an added step to help yeah hard paint yeah most painters use createx or wicked colors Mm -hmm. uh which is kind of the same company they're just uh different uh thicknesses of them Mm-hmm. Um, but you can use any paint, uh, auto colors or any different kind of paints, inks. You can use some inks. Um, you just got to thin them down. It just depends. You know, you've got to be able to get it through your airbrush is the, is the key. Yeah. Man, uh, are you using stencils for these patterns also on the sides? On the top, that one has a stencil. And then all the splatter is just a – just kind of either off of a brush or a toothbrush or something to that nature. Okay. And then there's a glitter on that one, 
which is a real fine glitter. You have to buy like a lure glitter to get it on there. If you use normal glitter, it will come out real chunky and it just, it won't work. And you'll, you'll feel it on the bait and then it can change the effect of how it goes through the water. Uh, is this something you, uh, say you, you mentioned you started the company in 2016. How long have you been doing the baits or is it something you just learned along the way? I probably started doing the baits probably a couple years before I actually started the company. Um, my kids really, I've got three daughters. Uh, my kids are the ones that, uh, kind of told me dad go on twitter dad do this and dad do that and try etsy and i don't, I never did etsy but i mean they just kind of said dad go do this and so i had facebook and facebook did a a business page and it yeah. kept my personal facebook separated from the actual business so i didn't have to show my family and i could keep it all separated and mm-hmm. it just kind of went from there funny how stuff like that works out it's just you don't have plans for anything like that whatsoever and then all of a sudden it's like boom all right all right let's do this (laughs) yeah well i just i got tired of burying lures in the river and then Mm -hmm. you know i mean you go and buy some good lures i mean i mean there's some good lures at bass pro shops or um, every once in a while still buy one you know i mean heck i mean there's a reason why you know they're a good lure and some of the pros use them to this yeah. day, I mean, because they're good, you know, but when you bury a $30 lure in the river <laughs> yeah. and you can't reach it, <laughs> yeah, that'll burn you. <laughs> uh, I, I've lost the jackhammer in the river before. Right. It was the yeah. only one I ever lost. I was like, I ain't doing that again. <laughs> right. So I, I threw one on Sunday. <laughs> you get, get any? Uh, I caught one little one, man. The river was really bad and low. Yeah. I tried yeah, to fish super Sunday. Low. Yeah. We went up north of Dayton, Brad. We did um, from Taylorsville Dam down mm. to uh, Rip Rap, you know, where that blue yeah. bridge is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And dude, it was it was rough. Uh the one first fish I caught, it was like within I don't know, right when we started. And it was right next to some grass. The water was dirty because it rained the night before kind of hard. Mm-hmm. It didn't rain very long, but um, we we only got down here because I live south of Dayton. It it, it kind of came and went real fast, but I know that they hit a little stronger up north, so right. the water got stained. And Mike, you know, pre-fishing for that tournament all over the place, and I was like, well, we could go up, you know, we could go wherever. I was trying to stay south because I was like, I know there's more depth down south, and he yeah. said that it was shallow. I said, the further north we go, the it gets more it shallow, <laughs> way more shallow, dude. I'm like, that river gets a lot smaller up there. And uh, we ended up, he he was like, I don't really care about pre-fishing. I just kind of want to go somewhere different. I'm like, well, yeah, I said, it's a nice float, man. It's you know a lot of trees and stuff. So it is kind of funny, though, because that's like an area that you fish and it's like really hidden by the trees and you're laughing because you can hear the motorcycles for mm-hmm. the yeah. like the yeah. whole time and just. <laughs> live music blaring you're like you know like so much for peace and quiet but yeah. i haven't i haven't fished riprap in a while now i fish from the graph and quincy all the way down to miamisburg mm-hmm. 
I've never been up to Quincy yet. I want to so bad. It's just the access points for kayaks are like so far and few between up there. It's crazy. I just waited. Do you? Yeah. It, is it kayak? I mean, is it kayak friendly? Yeah, but I mean, it's a lot of dragging. Yeah, because it does, like he says, it gets real narrow and it, it's got yeah. some shallow points. So I just find it easier just to jump in and out of the truck and hit certain spots. But see, once you get up that far, then you start running into private property. And yeah. as you know, Ohio says that the landowners own underneath the under the river, they own the ground. So, yeah, um, I, the furthest north I've been is Sydney. Uh, I was impressed with that river, though, just because, or just that part of the river, just because uh, the scenery. It, yeah. You, 20 miles above Dayton, you would not expect to see that kind of river. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful up there. Yeah. But uh, I fished Miamisburg this weekend. We caught a ton of dinks. Mm. <laughs> I caught like 20 dinks. <laughs> And I was fishing like the fastest water I could find. I stayed far, you know, far away from the riffles and everything. So they didn't see me. It didn't help. I just help. think I, I'm awful at summertime fishing. And now me too. I'm kind of convinced. Like when it gets to be real hot out, I'm pretty much convinced that the big girls are feeding at night. So yeah. they're going to catch them in that last hour of sun, you know half hour of uh sunlight and then the first you know and then that night it's probably going to be on and off just you know because they're going to have periods where they're not going to be feeding but i just and or that first hour of daylight because um it's just i think when they get you know like we've all know like they'll get in that super super fast moving water and it doesn't even have to be very deep and i'm not even convinced that they're really there to eat all the time either yeah. you know, that it's that especially like with the way the river starts getting it starts to slow down it's real low um and you know they just they, they're looking for oxygen not necessarily right. a meal so i right. don't know i may be totally wrong but i stink it up in the summertime <laughs> i do too dude you ain't you ain't alone i cannot find anything bigger than 12 inches to save my life in august I nuts. agree. As soon, as soon as August hits, that's the better time to go is in the evening. I don't. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like they switch over to an evening bite just before the fall bite, and then as soon as the fall bite comes, they're back on trying to yep. fatten up again. Yep, I agree with that for sure. Yeah, but uh, man, I see that you uh, also were you're making uh, spinner baits as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I pour all my own lead and I use a what they call a fluid bed, which pushes the powder coat up. It kind of like a volcano. It kind of bubbles. And when you dip it in, it uh, kind of evens the, uh, the lead a lot easier versus some guys, they just kind of dip it into the, uh, the actual powder coat, and which works. But I think it clumps up sometimes and or gets uneven and sometimes you can see it in some of the of the baits. But if you use a fluid bed, it it has a more even. It's kind of like spraying it on, except yeah. for I just don't have the sprayer, but I'm getting the same effect without the spray gun. I gotcha. I didn't know you. Uh, I didn't know you sold spinner baits. I have been looking for an all black spinner bait with a black Colorado blade. 
in like three eighths, and I cannot find it. I don't know if I've ever seen just a black blade, but I can paint the blades. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna have to talk to you about that because I want one. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you I use a black with the orange blades. I, I use a like sample. I use a Sampo swivel, which is made in the USA, and it's, I would have to say, is the best swivel on the market. They, the swivel alone cost me a dollar. So it's a stainless steel, and, I mean, it's, it's definitely an ex expensive swivel. But, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, like I said, you can go to Walmart. I can go pick a Walmart bait up and use one of theirs. It just... The swivel within a year just, just won't turn like it used to. You know, these will turn for years and years and years unless you bury it in a rock. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Spinnerbait's something I have started throwing more and more this year. I, 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 well, I grew up throwing it a lot on the lakes with my dad, but mm -hmm. uh, I specifically started throwing it more and more on the rivers when it gets muddy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I just can't find that all black spinner bait that I want for the river when it's, you know, I use a number five willow blade and mm -hmm. it, it's a pretty good size blade. But I mean, if you look at the bait fish in the great Miami river, mad river, Stillwater, or just anywhere, just any bait fish, you'll see they're just about that size. So, and then you add that big thump, into it and then i just use a number two colorado blade to kind of give it a little bit more thump to it and, mm -hmm. and it it does well a lot of people say why such a big willow leaf but i it's because of the bait fish i'm trying to mimic what's in the right. river system right yeah it so uh mike teach he he's kind of coined the phrase the disco lemonade uh, yeah yeah <laughs> Every time I think of the spinner bait in muddy water, that's what I think of. So I've thrown that with luck like that. That I, I use the all painted uh, War Eagle. Those bait or those uh, blades are huge. Yeah, I mean they're probably three inches. Yeah, but they so, thump and that gets yeah. it gets their attention. And yeah. then the, you got the flash on top of it or that little bit of color that they see. Right. Yeah. So so when the water's not as muddy, are you? Like, what would you suggest for somebody when the water's not muddy? Oh, I'll throw a spinnerbait anytime. I mean, it's, it just, if, but I, I'm a, see, I'm a power fisherman. So, you know, that, you know, hence the crankbaits, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to cover water and find mm -hmm. them. So, I mean, like the, the Nico rig is really new to me and it's mm -hmm. just something that somebody's kind of showed me and I'm trying to learn it, but, it, it can be frustrating because I just want to cover water. I want to try to yeah. find where you are, what rock you're sitting behind. Yeah. And I figure I can do it faster. And if it's not a crankbait, then I'll switch over to a, you know, a spinnerbait. And if it's not the spinnerbait, maybe it's a football jig that I can kind of, cause I, I make those as well. You can okay. kind of just, you know, throw it here, bounce it a couple times, throw it here, bounce it a couple times. And then, you know, I guess it just kind of—I just cover water more efficiently yeah. than than a finesse fisherman. Oh yeah, you definitely do. I mean, I, I'm a finesse guy, big time, and I, I will spend uh, ten hours on a three-mile float, mm -hmm. <laughs> just picking it apart, and it it does drive me nuts. But 
when, when that water's muddy, I, I definitely switch to uh, power fishing. Well, it helps when you use darker colors in, in muddier water, though. But see, sound works as well, and so does scent. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're they're printed, you know, they're they're the top of the food chain in the river system. So, you know, I mean, that's all they do is hunt. I talked to uh, Kip Brown, which is one of the biologists at uh, ODNR. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I've had so many emails. Uh, I had a post in Fishing River Smallmouth in Ohio about should you keep fish or shouldn't you keep fish? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's it 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 stirs a lot of fishermen up and it kind of drives their their passions up one way or the other. I try to not even allow the people, you know, uh, posting pictures with them at home because it just, it's a big argument. I've gotten mm. a few nasty <laughs> messages <laughs> because, you know, I won't allow it to happen, but it's, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's, it's my page, but anyway, back to the point. So I decided to see if Ohio really needed regulations in the river systems, because if you go up to Lake Erie, you know, they've got a lot of regulations up there for, mm -hmm. for different species. And you wonder, man, are, are, are our river systems really being overlooked? You know, are, are all the big giants being taken out by people or, or not? I don't know. I mean, I mean, the conversations that I've had with him has been real eye-opening with ODNR. Now, I'm not saying that they have it 100%, and I'm not saying fishermen have it 100%, but it definitely, if you go in with an open mind and not try to be, I'm dead set on this point of view, and you guys need to have regulations, and you just try to learn, you know, what their process is, I mean, if, example, the still water. If you've ever fished the still water, you seem to catch a thousand of them. Mm -hmm. Now, I've never caught like big monster out of the still water. Now, I hear they're in there, but I have just never caught a big one out of there. Mm -hmm. Maybe 15 inches is probably the big, big girl that I've ever caught out of there. But I just catch them all. I mean, just hundreds of them all the way down. Maybe they've got too many in there. It's kind of like a, you know, a pond. Mm -hmm. You know, if you've got too many, they can't grow. There's not enough food. And Kip explained that to me. And, you know, it's, and, you know, to them, the river system is real harsh, too. So, I mean, a flood could, you know, wash their food down, you know, 50 miles down a river and they can't get to it because of a low head dam or, or whatever obstacles in their way. And they travel a lot. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I think they travel two, three, four miles a day just foraging for food. So just because you found that fish two days ago in your hole doesn't mean that it's going to be there when you go to that particular moment. It may be two, three miles up the river. I, I To me, I think the river systems are fine. I mean, I, I just don't see a lot of people taking the fish out. And what they do take, it's probably a little bit of a, a necessary thing yeah. to keep it healthy. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I never have an issue with anybody keeping fish. My issue is the person that I see that's there every day. That's keeping fish. Yeah. Or the people that are pulling fish out and they just throw the shit up on the bank. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, even if it's a carp or whatever, like at that point, I'm like, you're just being a destructive a-hole, you know, right. like granted, 
I know like carp are te- they're technically invasive here. So it doesn't bother me that much. But what I can't stand is that people who are keeping trophy fish, like it just blows my mind. Um, like, yeah, I agree. Because I'm like, first off, any fish that is old like that is not good to eat. And it maybe it tastes good to you, but it is not healthy to eat old fish from anywhere. Right. Whether it's the ocean, the river, the lake. The older the fish, the more toxins that fish has in its body that it mm-hmm. cannot get rid of. Whether that's like mercury and stuff like that. Right. It's the same thing that they tell you with things like tuna in the ocean, swordfish, mm-hmm. all that shit like that, man. It's in mm-hmm. so you get a catfish out of the Ohio River or the Great Miami River, right. and you're like, dude, this thing's a monster, and we fillet it up. I'm like, oh, <laughs> right, oh, dude, you probably glow under an x-ray now. Like, see, <laughs> like, dude, because you're not the thing has been on the you know, living in our waters for years. Yeah, years. Now, like smallmouth, not a, such a big deal because I mean, they're not, they're not going to be like, you know, super, super old. And our waterways are much cleaner than they were, you know, 40 right. years ago or whatever. But still, there's still some funky stuff in that water. Yeah. I mean, we just had, what did you guys see that? The GMR? E. coli. Yeah. Another, yeah. you know, I'm like, how do we mess this up? Like, we know that we pump water that we tr- pull poop and pee out of. And yeah. yet. We still have these things break down. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> like I, that's my thought. Every time it happens, I'm like, that, that happens way more than it should. They do take longer in the river system to grow versus yeah. a lake, though. Oh, I did yeah. learn that from Kip as well. Mm-hmm. They just live in a harsher environment, you know, from the temperatures, from the, you know, from a food source maybe being depleted from that area or mm-hmm. they didn't spawn very well or reproduce very well, however you want to look at it, you know. So if they don't do well, then the top of the food chain doesn't do well either. So, and they are the top. Yeah. And then you've got, you've got, like you mentioned earlier, like flooding events. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to have a place like Stillwater. Stillwater, I've caught some nice fish out of Stillwater. I've caught some 17s and 18s. I don't think I've ever gone over the 18 mark there, Mm -hmm. but I think that's because the Stillwater is set up to i think you're gonna either catch like good fish and it's really northern sections where they can't move very far because it's so shallow uh-huh. like but the ones that i've caught that have been good have been in sections that are closer to the g where it connects up to the gmr uh-huh. and the water gets a little bit deeper then but those fish i i think like you said they they have the capability to be moving up and down the river unless they're coming up to low head dams or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that it doesn't take much of a high water event, and those fish are gonna can potentially just wash out into the Great Miami River, and then realize that they have much more space and area to move about as opposed right. to being stuck in still water where that that that's you know it's a slow slow moving you know river anyways and it gets. <laughs> stupid yeah. shallow in some areas and not only does still water get shallow it stays shallow like mm-hmm. there's areas you're like man you feel like you're walking for like 100 straight yards of just you know like one inch deep gravel yeah. patches but um dude I, I one of the things i wanted to ask you about was your um 
one of your crankbaits that you are kind of you've been it's kind of popular it's a one to two foot diver yeah um i'm a big fan of baits like that in the river just mm-hmm. because it's it's a good bait that i know it's a good idea to bounce your crankbaits off of rocks and stuff like that yeah. but you know obviously you do can run the risk of breaking them or get them mm-hmm. snagged or whatever so i always like to have like you know some one to two footers like that um how popular has that lure been for your river guys that's about mainly what i sell to the river guys i did add and i don't i haven't posted on the site i don't know if you can i don't know if you can see it or not let me see if i can put it up but if you can get a good look at it or not uh, that's probably over here there we go yep that is a three foot diver and it is supposed to take the place of the balsa baits if you look at some of the pros that fish early on some of them will crack their balsas mm-hmm. or ruin them and i think they get frustrated so they came out with this really tight wobble uh, lure. That one just happens to be a three foot. I can get it in three, six, and I think 10 to 16 foot diver. But uh, I ran it in the river this last Sunday. Like you said, you went out fishing. I did too. Uh, the water was kind of murky. Um, so I don't know if I, and I only had two colors a purple and that. Uh, uh, pearl white and that yellow. I'm trying to mimic that uh, that gold shad. Mm-hmm. What, what's that? Uh, what's that Ohio shad that we have? I forget the name of it now. Anyway, I'm trying to mimic it, and I thought, you know, maybe that lure would work. But I think the water wasn't quite right. It needs to really be clear water when you start getting into shad presentations, yeah. so mm-hmm. they can really see it. But uh, the one to two foot divers, it, yeah, I mean it. That's about all I sell. Um, I do have a three to five foot, but you know, you really run the risk of burying the lure, you know, yeah. in the river. Yeah, the, uh, the those one to two foot divers. I don't have any of those, so I need to pick up some of those. Uh, <laughs> there's so many spots that I have in mind where I'm like, yeah, that would be that'd be great. Throw that in a riffle and just rip it downstream. Right, you know? and they're they're great. They're they're not it's not the best bait though brad to throw when you start when you literally do start getting into three and five and only reason i say that is because like the one he's talking about is probably perfect when you start getting that three to five foot depth Mm -hmm. where you're coming out of a riffle and you know there's like a a pooling area there right because what ends up happening is is if you're throwing that crankbait and it's only one to two it stays up in the top part of the water column too much when you're wanting it to dive down and it's because also you're getting a current pushing behind it so not only are you trying to reel and pull it down but you're fighting the speed of the water at the same time it's real weird because i have i have one that's um like a it's like a zero to one um, floater and it tends it's actually kind of meant to be a topwater bait right um but Dude, when you try to fish the current with it, I'm like, dude, I can't get it to ever really go down. Like, I have I to yank, you. jerk the line like a jerk bait to get it to dive just because of the water pushing it. Mm. That, you know, I'm sitting there. It doesn't, it's like kind of dumb. I got to laugh at myself because I'm like, 
oh, how am I trying to crank this? Like literally I should just jerk it and then reel up this, the line because if I sit there and just go with the current and I'm sitting there cranking down, I have to go real, real fast to get it to dive. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but I, I think, the, I think the average depth, I think I read somewhere like the average depth of the whole great Miami River I think they said somewhere like five, six foot. If you add, I mean, I know there's a lot of deep sections in it, but mm-hmm. if you took the whole river, that would be your average is five to six. So when you throw a one to two foot crankbait, I mean, you're just barely hovering over those rocks and then you're catching, yeah. those, catching those big boulders yeah. every so often that'll deflect off of to give it a different, you know, bounce or a sound. But really, crankbaits are just reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah they're just you're, they're just hitting it because they saw it you know they're like oh, oh, oh i gotta i gotta nail it <laughs> yeah like, what was that yeah. um, i did see something else i wanted to ask you about pretty cool yeah. on the site is uh your lure retriever man it's a cool oh, yeah. You did there. yeah you still making those oh yeah yeah i also uh I also do a uh, 223 shell and a 22 shell with an inline spinner. I don't know if they, I've never caught a fish with it, but they sure do look neat. And I, they're scared I'm kind of sitting on my scared. Nail. They're like, why is the bullets traveling around here? <laughs> but they look like real bullets. And I mean, they just got a blade on them. I mean, they spin. You know, I've just personally never caught a fish off of it. Um, I've had a couple. Is that what this is? That's his lure. No, retreat. that's the yeah. lure knocker. That's lure to knocker. retrieve okay. your lure to get, let's say, get snagged on a rock or whatever. You, it goes on the fishing line. You send it down. It'll knock that lure off, and you can. I got lure you. Back. I got you. Scroll down a little bit further, Brad, and then right. you'll see the inlines. That's they're pretty cool. But I've yeah. had a few fish chase that twenty-two. I can't find it. No, just keep going down. Keep going down. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like two, there's two inline spinners, one bigger one, one small one, red. Oh, one. here we go. Yeah, right. one's a two, two, three shell, and one's a 22 long rifle shell. That is cool. Here we are, right there. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. That's <laughs> you and never caught I anything caught- on that, though? Uh, you haven't caught anything on it yet, though. The twenty-two, I've had people, I've had fish chase it, but that's awesome. just never had a hookup. But the two-two-three shell, that's a heavy shell anyway, so yeah. it's you got to really move it. You almost got to have a bait caster to get it through the water. But yeah. I, just think it, I just think it's cool. I mean, I was just, you know, you look at your brass and you're like, what can I do with that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, a fishing that, lure. <laughs> yeah that i mean that's unique yeah, i've never alex, seen that uh, alex is at that point in his fishing career that everything is like potentially a new bait yeah. <laughs> <All> right <laughs> no that's I that's see, unique i like it alex i don't know did you listen to our show about um broken twig landing nets no i haven't listened so to that there's one a guy we like so if you're in the market for a good net okay um, there's a guy who what he does is he dumpster dives around hockey arenas uh-huh. and he gets broken hockey sticks and he turns okay. them into landing nets. Really? And yeah. Cause he, and he gets They're like cool. the carbon fiber lightweight, like high end ones. Yeah. And these, that's everybody that's used these things rave about them. 
<laughs> and uh, where he connects like the um, you know the loop for the the yeah. aluminum, he uses a hockey puck, and he's like, he goes, I w- wanted to put my own twist, but he's like, I was gonna do something standard. Uh-huh. But he goes, the hockey puck works so well that I could not use it based <laughs> off of what I was doing because he's like the epoxy and everything, the hardware that he's using yeah. works awesome in conjunction with the hockey puck. That's so, neat. I, it I, is I, cool. I really like it when people repurpose things. Yeah. I mean, especially if you can find something neat to do with it. I, I Sometimes I think we forget to repurpose things. We just oh, throw yeah. so much away when – you can reuse something. So, and that's one of my favorite reasons we do this show, man, is just because we come across these cool products like that. Like, yeah. like your, your bullet spinner. I mean, I've never <laughs> seen that before. That's, that's cool. You know? Yeah. I've, sold, then, I've sold quite a few of them. I don't think anybody really fishes with them now. I think they just put them up in their office or, or on their shelves. I've been told that a lot anyway. So, I can't well, fish with that. That's just too cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, heck, we need we need to have a uh, co- contest if somebody buys one, catches a fish with it. Right, right, right. <laughs> that work. Cool. We can work something out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Um, yeah. So, um, I think I had a few more questions about the group and stuff, but sure. Before, before we go into that, do you want to let everybody know like your website? Uh, and maybe your prices and stuff like that? Um, you can always find me on uh, uh, Facebook. That's where uh, my business page is. Um, generally, people just message me on Messenger or they eventually just get my phone number. And um, I only paint generally on the weekends. I do work for a living on top of it. So as long as you're patient, sometimes there's a line, you know, depending on how many people want, you know, lures at the time. But as long as you're patient, you know, I will definitely get to you as fast as I can. Um, uh, all my crankbaits, unless they're the small little dinky uh, creek divers, are 15 bucks a piece. And then um, the spinner baits, I do believe, are five bucks. And the football jigs, I think they're 425 or 450. I can't remember. That's, That's pretty bad, isn't it? <laughs> 425 on on Facebook. Oh, is it okay? 425, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Well, heck it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter what size crankbait you get either. I've got anything from eight to 12, five to eight, one to two, three to five. Uh, I do now have those balsa acting baits that uh, one goes three foot, one goes six. And I plan on getting the six to 10 foot uh, diver. It's just got such a tight wobble. And I mean, it you can really feel it pull through the water. And it goes through grass much better than an actual uh, crankbait will Mm -hmm. because it's just got us more slender. It just rips right through grass. Cool. That's awesome, man. Well, I know I've seen them, so caught my interest and everything. I hope it catches somebody else. If whoever's listening out here, you want to buy some cool looking crankbaits, man. Well, I appreciate it. Alex is your guy. I appreciate it. I enjoy being on. I I enjoy you guys having me on the show, and and I always welcome all ages on uh, Fishing River Smallmouth in Ohio. I've got a wide variety from, you know, young kids all the way up to, you know, people in their seventies and eighties. And I definitely keep it friendly. I'm the only one that runs it. I'm the only moderator, so sometimes it takes me a minute to, 
get to people, but you know, I, I like it that way. I, it's got a file section with a lot of important information from a lot of different uh, fishermen that have kind of put their little two cents in or their educational knowledge. Uh, matter of fact, like uh, uh, Chris down in Fisherman's Quarters, uh, he's getting mm-hmm. ready to write something for me. Just kind of what he's seen in the industry, how it's changed over the years. Just, just simple knowledge. Yeah. Uh, I had like Kip Brown, you know, the biologist over over ODNR. You know, he gave me that bait fish kind of reference, which was really mm-hmm. kind of nice just to share. Then uh, it's got a you know kind of a fun side. It's got the uh, the album section where if you can send me a picture of a fish that's actually on the board, doesn't have to be perfect. I'm mean, we're not in a tournament or anything like that, yeah. but you know, get it somewhat nice, and if you can get 17, 18, 19, 20, and I'll post it and kind of have some bragging rights. Heck yeah. yeah. But I don't even have to ask the questions because you just already answered a few of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I, got to say, like, you being the only moderator of that group of 6,000-plus people, uh, you do a pretty good job of keeping it clean and friendly. I, I, I never see, like, any anything get out of like i don't know what i'm trying to say you know get like out of o- hand i guess like ohio fishing reports yeah like that yeah. i left that group a long time ago so i mean you, yeah. you're, do, you're doing it right and it's more impressive that you're the only admin of the group yeah i'm not i'm not knocking anybody's group you know right. I, as a matter of fact i'm still a member to a lot of groups but i just i, I just wanted to bring something different it's got all these features on the page and it just seems like no group uses them. Mm-hmm. And why not? I mean, if it's, if it's there available and it doesn't matter if you're not using it or you're using it, it's kind of like the announcement section, you know, where, where I put the podcast for you and, mm-hmm. and for, you know, for uh, Brian and Tyler for the Cincinnati kayak fishing trail and for, mm-hmm. uh, for Neil Farley for the Buckeye fishing trail so they can see the schedules you know, I mean, and then, you know, with that announcement post where there's a whole, God, there's probably like 80 different comments where people mm-hmm. can have whatever they want to sell, but it's there and it's not constantly in your news feed. But mm-hmm. if you want, if you want that, then you can go there and look through it and see, maybe there's a group that interests you or, you know, maybe there's some, you know, maybe another lure maker that, you know, maybe something different than what I do. And it gives them the opportunity to have their space without mm-hmm. bombarding somebody else's space. Right. right. Yeah. Causing issues and right. fighting. Yeah. That's a good. Right. Idea. Right. Cause you, cause we're all there to see the fish, you know? So yeah. you got to have both worlds. Mm-hmm. So, and I think sometimes groups forget that. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, I agree. And the like you said, uh, some of the articles in there, I've read some of them in there. They're pretty good. Yeah. You've even you've let me post some of mine in there also. Yeah, I yeah, I, I enjoy all all of your podcasts. So even like even like uh, Whitley, you know, I mean, he wrote a really good article on the river from what is it, uh, the West Carrollton Dam, almost all the way up to the Moraine boat ramp, well, a little bit farther. And I mean, it was mm-hmm. a really impressive article of the river so hmm. and he didn't give any secrets away he was pretty good at it so. yeah <laughs> that's the way to do it you get give give too many secrets you'll start getting messages from people <laughs> right. 
<laughs> right. You know, I just want people to learn. You know, yeah. I'm not, it's kind of like the painting. I mean, you can message me all day. And if you really want to learn how to paint, I'll show you how to paint. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just, I'm not here to, I don't think you'll ever find me in a big box store. Right. I think that I will always, I, like I said, I've got a whole nother shop upstairs in the garage and I don't even, you can't even park a car or a truck in there anymore. It's just because I've got sandblasting boxy. I've got three different compressors, a paint booth and, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of boxes to keep <laughs> parts in and whatnot. Yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's important to keep passing it on. Mm-hmm. you know instead of letting the newer generation just trying to figure it out and you know maybe ruining a river system that they could have just learned something from somebody yeah yep that's, well, that's cool. the important thing too like you create those good groups that are informative and you know the one thing that i do is kind of see that and this is this is kind of on fault of all of us really in my opinion when it comes down to it is that as we've gotten more and more involved in social media, our descriptions and what we're talking about is getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Mm. And everything is more visual with pictures now. Like Instagram mm-hmm. is a big, a, you know, starting to replace what like Facebook was. Right. And Facebook replaced like for me and Brad, what fishing forums were, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that, with that has come something that's sort of a little detrimental when you want to be able to share knowledge without blowing up your spot. And so what it's become now is just pictures with a description of something. And a lot of times there's not that informative information that we are all looking for, which is like, okay, what kind of water are you fishing? What was the depth like? What was your temperature like? What's your water clarity like? What are you throwing it on? A medium light, medium, Mm -hmm. you know, action spinning rod. What kind of line are you using? Because that's what I, that's how I learned how to bass fish was through Mm -hmm. fish, you know, how game fishing. And I started asking questions and I started reading what these people were using. And I'm like, okay, what kind of fishing line do you guys use uh, for throwing these grubs, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever. And you know, it's, that's kind of where it started. And you see with the groups now, it's it pulls away from that. You'll get like a lure, like, oh, I threw the Rico or I right. threw a Kitek or whatever. But there's not too much information from. And that's the one thing I'd like to see us all go back to is sharing that thing. You know, like, like yeah, I don't to, to be. It's awesome to see like the good pictures, right? You know, yeah. like, sweet you know and i don't need a background i don't care where you fished because i know that's not going to help me i've Mm -hmm. i've learned people's spots i've shared spots with people and gotten information back and forth but still i could go out there and do awful there at that spot when the dude who gave me the spot the day before caught you know five 18s and a 19 out of it or something weird you know and Mm -hmm. um but I think it's important that we try to get back to sharing the information that's pertinent to what it's supposed to be there for, like what it's supposed to do um, and help people, you know, teach people to fish. And, you know, you don't have to show them a picture of the exact spot. You know, that's I don't right. I don't think I think it's sometimes a lot of times people are, are missing that aspect of it. 
Um, I know people, there's a lot of people out there that won't even share the river, the body of water they caught it out of. Right. Um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It just depends on, you know, if I can make a, a spot that I don't want to be blown up, like, mm-hmm. you know, easily identified, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I fish, I fish the crap out of the same spot literally all year. It doesn't even matter. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing secretive about this spot. Everybody and their brother knows it. And it's funny is there's like always one or two or three days out of one week that I just destroy that river. I like, I kill it. And it happened to happen on a tournament this year and I had a blast <laughs> and I keep talking about it cause it was so fun. Heck yeah, man. I tried to get, I have a, a, a section on there for uh, it's a, called a mentor section and I handpicked a bunch of people to try that I knew that were very trustworthy in the community. I don't know how many people I've gotten a few people, you know, message me through that way. Um, sometimes I try to push it a little bit, trying to get people to realize that it's there so you can ask other fishermen. But sometimes I think sometimes fishermen are a little nervous asking other people, especially if they don't know them. But it's on the page. I mean, there's a lot of good people that know a lot of good information you know, that I picked and I'm always looking for, you know, somebody else. Um, for example, uh, Strictly Sale, you know, I asked uh, Tyler if he would uh, write something for the page of kind of how uh, different kayaks are because he's got a real big insight on a lot of different brands of kayaks, you know, and I'm not just talking to Hobies, but I mean, he's just got a lot of different insight and i just thought his you know his knowledge would be helpful to somebody wanting to purchase a kayak or just never been on a kayak you know you could ask brad to do it too because brad bought seven different brands in one year (laughs) (laughs) i I am i was deemed the kayak lord (laughs) you mean the kayak whore (laughs) that too same thing whatever (laughs) but um but yeah man i just like it's cool it's weird i wish people would take more advantage of that and people who are sharing their catches their pictures like i wish they would kind of give that more of a description because to me that that's what i ended up finding was more beneficial it wasn't somebody telling me where to go it was people telling me line you know rod depth What like one of the best things that I ever saw was Steve Coomer drawing out uh, features of in a wa- in a river. You know uh-huh. what I mean? It's something simple. It looks like he could have done it on a napkin. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And in a bar, and mm-hmm. you know that that's where I started visually understanding what I was hearing uh-huh. you know, in seminars and or reading online. You know, I'm like, okay, now I understand it because. You know, for somebody like me, I'm I was I was brand new to it, mm-hmm. and so the terms like eddies and pools and riffles, no clue what any of it was. You know, like, mm-hmm. and so that it's like, well, you guys get like we got to break it down more because a lot of people they don't know what that is. You know, um, I didn't. And it took a while to understand it, and you know, like some diagrams and s- stuff like that. Like I know Steve occasionally we'll bust that stuff back out on some of the Facebook groups. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I love it. Cause I'm like, dude, that's one of the best things that helped me start understanding uh, where to fish in the rivers, you know? 
Because, hmm. I mean, some people are like, oh, I went out to Stillwater and I threw and threw and threw and I didn't catch anything. And it's like, well, you're fishing in a mud, the muddiest yeah, part. That was, you know, you know it's that like, was me. <laughs> well, people, people also got to understand a lot of homework goes into a river. I mean, you, I mean, I mean, it's taken me years and years to just kind of know where to go, what to see. A river changes every year. I mean, a flood could drastically change a river system. Like I fish the Maumee River up, up by Toledo for the walleye run every year. That river's never the same, ever. Yeah. I mean, never. It The glaciers cut different holes. The ice push, you know, the and move the banks. I mean, it's just it's insane to see it. And there's spots that you can access one year, spots you can't. And it just, but it's the same thing down here. I mean, granted, we don't have the ice flow down here, but what's to say that, you know, the river didn't move a boulder or, mm -hmm. you know, change the bank a little bit or move a sandbar, you mm -hmm. know, and now the fish are at this point of the sandbar and you thought they were, you know, up to the side a little bit. You know, so, I mean, it's, I agree. I, you know, I like your idea. Maybe I could uh, try to implement that a little bit in the group page, try to get people more, you know, gear oriented on what they're doing. And mm -hmm. man, I think that's a good, good idea. I like that, Josh. Yeah. It just, it helped me out a lot. And it was something that we did a lot in the forums. Brad remembers OGF. I'm still that, on there, man. Yeah, and how how and it got it steered away from it though, didn't it? Yeah. It be and you know, like it kind of became it became a story time thing, which I didn't mind. It just kind of got out of hand. Like it was like, oh, I spent like, you know, this time on the river and did this and this and this. And it was like a you know, like a camping excursion story, which is fine. But at the same time, like there's, you know, you can't give people a hard time for, you know, being like, oh, you know, where are the fish biting or whatever, when we are not giving them any information to kind of try right. to figure it out on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's always just a, a picture and some crazy description or something, you know, like the story about it or whatever, mm -hmm. but no nothing informational wise that can be transferred over to you know, making somebody a better angler, you know? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I love good. I love it when people write good. I like good stories, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just, it, it doesn't have to be that way always. And it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be super short and just a picture, you know? Yeah. Um, but it, that it's just an idea, you know, and th this goes across a lot of, a lot of the different groups and stuff like that. Cause a lot yeah. of people moved off of, um the forums onto facebook mm -hmm. and then you know you see the groups get big and then they kind of explode a little bit and everybody moves to a different one and <laughs> hops around and it's just it's kind of yeah. like brad buying a kayak it's just <laughs> well I, I think the biggest problems with some of those groups and i'm they're not my groups and i'm not like i said i'll never put another group down but it, I think the bigger problems are is the arguments that they have in them. Yeah. The people that are moderating them or the people that own them are just not controlling the argument, you right. know, or they'll debate the argument with 
other fishermen as, you know, or justifying whatever reason they booted them or whatever, or standing up. See, there's no debate. You know, I, you know, I mean, I, you read the rules when you come in, either you've agreed to them or you don't because you have an option. But to me, it still comes up to you. You still see it. So regardless if you've agreed to it or not. So if you took the time to, to read it and if you don't, then just out the door you go. And I don't discuss it with anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's no, there's no, there's just no reason for it. I mean, so, and I think sometimes. Sir, are you saying you're for or against pay lakes, Alex? I'm Jeez, not. I do not like <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that one pop up? Oh, that's funny. It was uh, yeah. a Pay Lakes one, and it was only like an hour old, and it had like 622 comments on it already. Yeah. Like, Jeez. I was like, that's well, it. No, Brad, that's it. That's how we grow our Instagrams and our Facebook. <laughs> is all we do like once a week is say, for or against Pele. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I'm sure good. Brian would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, the Facebook in general, I just think when people get on there in, in the beginning, they just, I, I'm convinced they're just pissed from the beginning, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Life, right? right. Like, on, you see, like a political. With their coffee, like, who can I be mad at today? <laughs> Well, you, the first thing you get on, you see political stuff, and then it automatically triggers people, you know. But so it, then that might boil over to a group. Yeah, but it's it's all social media. I mean, oh yeah, maybe not so much Instagram because it's just a picture, but even TikTok. So I mean, because I have a TikTok, and I can be real creative on a TikTok. I don't. I was talking to Brad. I don't. I don't do the trends, but it allows me to show my artwork or steps of how I did a lure. I won't show you all my lures because I don't want to give you all my secrets and I don't want every <laughs> painter to have every one of my secrets. But sometimes I'll show a process of an each step of a lure mm-hmm. or, you know, like I was telling him, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I love Christmas and Halloween. So, I mean, if you look at my TikTok, I mean, I've got like um, I took like a skeleton and, you know, they come bone white, but I painted it to where it's got this gore effect to it. It just changes things, but it shows, you know, it's a creative outlet for me. And But it's the same thing, all social media. I mean, people get so upset over the smallest things. I just ignore it. To me, it's entertainment. I didn't grow up with all this jazz. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I didn't even really have social media until it was my daughters. And they're like, oh, dad, get on this, get on uh, Twitter and Facebook and sell your lures and so to me it's always just been entertainment. I get on there and I you know read a couple things and on I go. Yeah, so. that's basically all I am too. But yeah, I agree, man. Yeah, yeah. but well, I like your idea, Josh. I'm definitely going to try to implement that in the group page. I think that's a good idea. I'll try to see. If- I mean, because I got like Michael uh, Teach. He's a really good guy. He'll tell you a lot of stuff, what he does. And he's not afraid to tell you either. I mean, yeah. I can, uh, I message him every once in a while. Uh, he's a really good guy. Maybe I can see if I can't get him to, you know, when he posts, you know, maybe post a little bit more in descriptions. But it's really finding those key guys or those key members that will do that, that will drive a page that direction. 
Mm-hmm. You but know if you don't you put the do. work in and the hours, then you'll never get it. Right. You know what you could do? Maybe do this. Say, ask teacher somebody like that. Hey, give me a outline or like a stencil in a sense to follow for what you think will help somebody become a better angler. So like, mm. you know, like what, what lure are you using? What line, you know, like we talked about before, but also like, Hey, give us, let's make a, like a glossary, like a, a definition of words that we can, you can put up like, you know what I mean? Like how you said you can pin something or whatever yeah. you could do that. And then somebody, you, if they're like, what's a riffle or whatever, I'm back like, here, here's, some terminology that we use in the rivers and this explains what it is. Mm. And then you can maybe have like maybe an outline that, you know, you could put up there and say, Hey guys, this is just to try to help people learn. So if you make a post, it's not required obviously, but like, Hey, here's some information you can include in your post and that might help out an angler try to figure, you know, become better, you know, river angler or whatever, what features to be looking for in the yeah. water. You know, what kind of retrieve are they doing? Whatever, you know, it doesn't have to be to the T because I, I think that would make it make the page boring. If right, it was like the same, to, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. But say, here's some points that you guys maybe make an effort to share within your post, you know, where we don't have to sit there and share an exact location or anything mm-hmm. like that. Right. You know, because right. I mean, I can only stare at so many pictures that are facing up to the sky with somebody <laughs> with a bass bent over their camera. So, you know, like give me something to read at least. Hey, like, Ryan Dahl takes some of the best pictures without showing background. Yeah. No, 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 dude. This isn't a Ryan Dahl. This is everybody. Whether oh, I know. I was just saying. Myself. Oh, dude, I used to do it. I'd be like, how can I make this place look as unidentifiable as possible? So I would just turn around and it's just green woods behind me, you know? And I've um, done it. Yeah, we all do it. And I still do it to this day. And I'll never stop doing it because I don't want to give every spot I fish away. Sometimes sometimes I don't worry about it as much because sometimes I don't think fishermen. Well, some fishermen don't know what they're doing to get them. Yeah. And like you, like you said, those fish travel two, three miles. Yeah. It just takes a lot of knowledge of a river. Like you said, I mean, I mean, I can, I can take a picture and you can kind of see where I'm at, but doesn't mean that you knew how to read the water of where I was at. Mm -hmm. So was I fishing a break line? Do you know what a break line is? Do you know where the line, you, you know, do, was I fishing a sandbar that, you know, dove down? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, kind of like the, the pinnacles over in West Carrollton. You know, a lot of people didn't realize that's, you know, if you know what the pinnacles are, that's a glacier, you know, push up. And that's, you know, you fish that stretch of river. It's got some deep little holes where the glacier come through. And I mean, the sandbars just drop and it's a lot of rock deposit, a lot of sand deposit right through there. But, you know, do you know that? Did you take the time to, you know, go out there and just look at the ground and the water and, Mm -hmm. you know, how it's shaped and, you know, how does the bank twist and is there an undercut? Completely agree. And I was just thinking that earlier because Ryan Dahl sent me a picture. He's like, he told me where it was too. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's like, I'm catching big ones here, man. I'm like, yeah, but if I go out there, I'm not going to fish it the same way you are, so I might not have that success. That's right. That's right. 
Yeah, that's right. That dude, and that dude puts in a lot of time. Yeah, like, a you know, lot like, of time. Like, yeah, he is eat, sleep, fish. Like he yeah. works, <laughs> works, gets off, might eat a burger and run out to the, <laughs> the river and then passes out and repeats the same thing over again. Um, on, on his lunch break, he must he must yeah. by a river. Yeah. Because he'll go, oh, I just went and got, I just fished right by the, you know, on my lunch break. I'm like, God, what, what are you working? <laughs> That's funny. What do I apply for this job that I can go fishing? Why? You know, they allow you to do this. <laughs> he, he's gonna message me after listening to this and be like, "You guys are, you guys are nuts." <laughs> <laughs> he's a good guy, though. I yeah, mean, he, he is. really is. I mean, and he's very, very knowledgeable. I mean, yeah. he he has taken the time to understand a river, and if you get to know him, he will talk to you. Oh, and yeah. that's what's really nice about him. Him and I ran into each other on the Mad River last year and fished together. We had a, a good time. We've tried to get together a few times this year, but it's not worked out yet. But yeah. Um, but last year it was funny because he, I was like, "Oh, look, somebody's got a lure on top of their car," and like I had jumped in the water or was getting ready to, and we ran into each other. And I'm like, hey, Ryan, what's up? And I, like, we don't we don't know each other. We didn't know each other that well. But we actually went to high school together too. Oh, so like Ryan and I know each other from school a little bit. Like he was a couple grades or a grade below me or two grades below below my mm -hmm. graduating class. And so we're familiar with a lot of the same people. Mm -hmm. But that day was hilarious because we. I'm like, hey, did you want to go over there and fish? Like I was going to go over there, and he was scoping it out. You know, like we both know this one spot, happen to both know this certain area on the river that fish is good when the rivers get blown out. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was about to do the same thing. So we went over there. It was super sketchy. The water was super fast. We're like trying to cross over the section that was a little sketchy. We got over there, ended up doing decent. But um, it was funny because I hadn't ever seen the top of his car from where he puts that kayak yeah. up there. He just, the poor thing, dude, looks like he's just Big taking a hammer to it. Like, <laughs> yep. He's well, like, he's like, I've, so, I've never fished with him. I've messaged him a few times. I mean, he's, yeah, he's yeah. a really good guy to talk to. Yeah. yeah. And if guy. you float with him, Josh, he'll stack both your kayaks on top of each other on his car. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny. How many kayaks can you get on this car? <laughs> it's a little I, car too. It's not like a big yeah. car. It's, it's like um, a Corolla or something. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> I'm like, I saw it. He was like, "Yeah, man." I'm like, "Dude, it's perfect." I'm like, you know, why not? Why not have a car? It's good on gas. That you're like, to hell with it, man. Like, <laughs> the, the most important thing is the kayak strapped down and ain't going anywhere. You know. So, yeah, but he's yeah. a good dude, man. He um, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I wish I him all the success. I, I love seeing him get the attention he's been getting this. Yeah, this past I do too. Years, so. yep. I do too. But uh, I think I, I like to see all fishermen get it. So he's yep. he's definitely one that gets one. I like it. So, yep. Well, man, we're at an hour and twenty minutes. This is a long one, but okay, it's all good. We'll, well, we'll wind this up. I had a great time. Thank you for having me on. Heck no yeah. problem, man. Thank you for taking the time to talk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, look forward to seeing continued success with Out of Line Lures and uh, like to see the group keep growing, man. And, you know, anytime you need any help with anything, don't feel, you know, feel free to reach out and ask. 
Well, thank you. And like I told Brad and uh, Josh, I probably should uh, friend request you or something, but uh, uh, you're more than welcome to post, you know, in the, in the group. I've given I'm Brad free reign to post in there. I mean, he said he'd rather have it small mouth related. I, I agree. I mean, it, it helps. But, yeah. you know, if it's something that somebody can learn from, like you said, if you've got somebody on here that, mm-hmm. you know, that takes it to another level, doesn't necessarily all small mouth, post it in the group because people, a lot of people listen to podcasts and they can learn from something like this. Yeah, and ours ours is a good one because it's we kind of sit around gear review and Brian right. and I both since right. we we tend to hang in the smallmouth area, but regardless, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is going to be useful to just about everybody, whether you're on the bank or not. You know, right? So, and we talk about kayaks, and you know, there's people always asking about that stuff all the time. I mean, I think the number one fishing related question at this point is. What kind of kayak would be good for a six four guy who weighs two hundred and thirty yeah, pounds? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, all right. Well, we'll go ahead and sh- uh, shut this down. Everybody, okay. thanks again for listening to the final cast. Um, Brad, anything you want to add, buddy? Hobie Links episode next week, right? Yeah, we're going to be recording yes. with Melissa Keg on Monday. This Sweet. doesn't. This one's not going to air though till next Thursday, obviously. Right. So um, look forward to doing the Hobie Links episode, and we'll talk to Melissa about that. And, yep, thanks again, everybody, for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Thank See you. See you later. Uh, bye. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.